Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. It is Thursday, June 15th. I'll be joined this morning by David Owen from Nastic. I have no idea what we're going to talk about. We haven't pre-planned anything. I really didn't make any notes about this morning. Uh, I just kind of figure when David and I start talking, we'll probably come up with some things and some ideas. So um, we'll do that. We can also take some phone calls. So we'll open up the phone lines. If you've got calls for David himself, any questions you might have about Nastic, we talk about their fuel card a lot. Got a lot of other great programs we really haven't touched on yet. Um, Pick up the phone and join us. We can certainly uh, turn this into a Q&A if you want. Um, We could talk about topics like having your own authority and how to do that properly. It's a big part of what uh, Nastic helps their owner operators and small fleets with. So phone lines are open 855-950-3835. Um, while we're waiting to get David in here, one of the topics I'm spending more time on right now, I've actually started a series of posts on, is the fact that I believe we are finally near the bottom. I think we're searching for a bottom in the economy right now. I think we're searching for a bottom in trucking. I I think we're finding it. Um, it could possibly go a little deeper. The question then becomes, how long will we stay at the bottom? Typically, when you're there, you kind of bounce along the bottom. Every now and then, you get a glimmer of hope. This last week... Uh, freight rates made some moves upward. Uh, the tender rejection moved upward in, in some specific lanes, probably mostly impacted by produce on the West Coast. So I don't think it's any kind of a rally. But what we're really looking for now is I believe we've found the bottom or we're very close. Now we start looking for signs that we're going to climb out. Mm-hmm. I think we're looking for David right now. I don't know when we're going to see those signs. If I had to predict, and I I don't like to predict, and especially right now, it's kind of complicated. Uh, I've been predicting since about 2018, actually about 2017, late in the year, that this was coming. We knew it was coming. We thought it would have gotten here sooner. Some of the things that may have affected that, we're going all the way back to ELDs, that had an impact. And then COVID was the big one that really kind of messed up the typical pattern we see. Um, With COVID, the lockdowns had crazy impacts. And then all the government spending just threw a wrench into any kind of financial predictions. And we're still dealing with the fallout from that. But I believe now that we've we've reached the point where we know the party's over on rates, probably going to stay at these rates for a while, maybe even go a little bit lower. I don't see a whole lot of um, reason why we would climb out of this anytime soon. That makes this the perfect time to start getting ready to be in business. I don't mean run out and buy a truck or run out and get your authority right now. I mean, start the planning process, which most people just skip. That's why we get so many failures in business. I'm I'm writing a series right now, the six biggest mistakes to avoid when you want to become an owner operator. Before we even start about what we're going to do, we should 
start to think about what kind of things we don't want to do. I think a lot of people are shocked by my first mistake. I really consider it to be one of the biggest mistakes people make. And that is they take advice from everybody they talk to, people around them, family, friends, other owner operators. It seems like it should be a good idea, but actually it's not. And it's not that you shouldn't listen to other people and ask lots of people and lots of questions, but you have to get a whole lot better at figuring out what advice is good and why. One of the things I see is somebody will take advice from a successful owner operator. That seems like a good idea. Many times it's not. I, I know lots of people who are really good at things. They're not very good at explaining them. There's actually a, a book that covers this topic a lot, and I'm always careful of this. Sometimes the more you know about something, the worse you become at explaining it to other people. You have to be careful of that. Also, some people just aren't good at giving advice even on things they know. One of the things you can do, I talk about asking the question, why a lot? So if somebody is giving you advice or you're asking for their advice, your favorite word should be why and why not? When they say something, you shouldn't buy that truck. Well, well, why not? Well, it's way too heavy. Oh, well, that's because they're in a weight sensitive operation and maybe you're not going to be. So that may be the better truck for you. But if, if they're not good at explaining in a way that would help you, you have to get better at asking more questions. So I'm not telling you to not talk to people and ask for advice. In fact, you should probably do it more, but you should get better at it. So I'll, uh, I'll continue to talk about that. We do have David here, so I'm just going to bring him in. Uh, Mr. Owen, good morning. Good morning, Kevin. How are you this morning? I am doing wonderful. I was, I was I was enjoying your uh, your comments already. I was listening in, uh, and you know it's amazing, particularly in this world that's uh, that seems to be so complex now with all the high speed data and information that goes on. Uh, there's no question that what you just said the the more knowledge you have in a certain field, uh, the more uh, I don't know the more you have to remind yourself that the other person may not know how to plug the equipment up. Exactly. Uh, or, or may not have, or may, and in a lot of cases, may not have, uh, <clears throat> may not be asking the right questions. Yes. You know, like, uh, you know, is that because you're weight sensitive? I mean, uh, or I don't, you know, I'm hauling, uh, I'm hauling furniture. I mean, right. the uh, way I might expect out is something light, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, one of the things I talk about is learn to ask better questions. That That's a, a great skill to start to develop. And I help people. The best question, really, if you don't know how to ask good questions, just keep asking why. Act like an eight-year-old. Every time somebody says something, just look at them and go, but why? But why? And, and make them explain it to you. And here's what I find. This is the most powerful reason to use that word. Most people are simply repeating things they've heard before on all kinds of things, whether it's money or business or health or whatever. Most people, when you when they give you some advice, they're probably just repeating something they've heard before. And when you ask them why and you get that deer in the headlights look, 
then you know. They really don't understand it. And I'm not saying what they said is wrong. It might be right, but it's only by chance. And even if it is right, if they can't explain to you why, then you're talking to the wrong person. And with with a a state of artificial intelligence, so-called artificial intelligence, (laughs) we've actually... It's actually legitimized plagiarism. Yes. Uh, it, <laughs> not only can you steal everybody's ideas, you don't even have to tell them it's not yours. So, that's a good point. And here is something else that, that makes AI really dangerous. So let's go all the way back to kind of the first computers, um, just handheld calculators. They're kind of computers, right? But here's the thing. Wasn't that thing always right? <laughs> it was. Yeah, it's, it's math. It was always right. Then we get to computers. And on a lot of things, computers are really good. They can they can store a lot of information and bring that information back up. And for the most part, we know that as long as the information going in was correct, then it's probably right. And we talk about garbage in, garbage out. You got to be careful of that. But I think most people believe that these are machines that just spit out facts, and they're right. But AI changes all of that. You know, there's a big gap between intelligence and wisdom. When they invent artificial wisdom, I may tune in. But for right now, (laughs) artificial intelligence is nothing more than a broader database of uh, data and of, 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 I guess, playing the base rate on steroids or uh, the base rate squared. And uh, that's all it is. And it's still a binary invented by man. It has no intuitive uh, value whatsoever. Until they come up with wisdom, I'm on the sidelines. I I love that approach. It's funny that you and I have the same ideas about technology and we've taken kind of different approaches. The other thing I'm very impressed with for the last person in the country who doesn't have a cell phone, you have a real grasp of technology. You really do. <laughs> I have to when you do it when you do it by hand <laughs> you right. have to know what question to ask. <laughs> So part of the reason I'm kind of going back to the basics and and this this series that I'm posting right now is is old. I mean, it's 10 years old, but I will tell you this. um, It's not written by AI. I, I can show you the original documents from 10 or 12 years ago. It's now being written with AI because AI used properly makes me a better writer. So there is an upside to this, but. I, I think the downside will probably spread much faster. And that is there's going to be an awful lot of information being put out by all kinds of people now, and it's going to be twice as hard to figure out what's right. I think maybe you've hit upon something. If you're going to use artificial information or artificial intelligence, you need to really ask why, 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 why. Yes. And if they can't answer artificially, then you need to say no. You just say no. Um, uh, you know, our, we're doing our podcast, and I think uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to you being a, on our podcast as well uh, in the future. Uh, the uh, And <laughs> the title of our podcast, it is to basically to NASDAQ members. It's an internal podcast, but... 
uh, you know, and we've already talked about maybe expanding it to your to your tribe as well. But the uh, uh, the, the name of the show is uh, Trucking A to Z, and uh, I've, I've, I've toyed with this idea, and I've taken a, a, a page out of Sesame Street. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna spin the wheel here and there and and come up with three or four letters of the day, and then I'm gonna ask my guest. I say, okay, I'm gonna give you three or four minutes to think about it, but the day's letters are L, Q, R, and T. Uh, give me the first thing that pops into your brain set or your set of knowledge that has to do with trucking that starts with those letters. That's fun. And I like that. I, it's not only gonna be fun; it's gonna ensure that the conversation never gets stale and that it's always kind of spontaneous and we will have fun with it. Yeah. We're going to have a lot of fun with it. Yeah. I like that. You know, one of the other things we're kind of on this topic, uh, I've been thinking about a lot, you know, I, I believe in good, healthy debate. I, I, it's just, it's a really good way to, to keep your mind open to new ideas, to be challenged on ideas you have. So you're sure that, you know, you're secure in your knowledge and you know what you're talking about. The problem is the country's become so polarized that debate anymore is just worthless. The way we do it, we just scream at each other and all we keep doing is making our statements and we're not listening to their statements. I'm guilty of this as well. I, I'm, I'm not a good debater. I, I wish I were better. I tend to get so focused on what's in my mind Um, So I try to work on that. And one of the things I've come up with that works really good for me is I if I'm going to debate somebody, especially if it's really kind of contentious and a lot of times it is, I have taken the approach and I'm going to keep working on that, that I'm not going to make any statements. I'm only going to ask questions. You know, that's a that's a wonderful, wonderful approach. And and you hit upon something there. Uh, uh, guess where the polarization comes from? Guess where the uh, that polarization you're talking about, the inability to now people, you know, they don't, uh, it's certain topics, religion, politics, whatever, have been kind of banned from the table around the Cracker Barrel. Yeah, right. uh, nothing, I mean, really, uh, and, and we're polarized by what? Binary decisions. You're either right or you're wrong. You're either a conservative and and think this way, or you're a liberal and think this way. Well, that's not true. Right. I'm a, I'm I'm very politically conservative. I'm a strict constitutionalist. I don't mind telling people that I I respect what the founders did, and I think they. Uh, they uh, the last 232 years proves it. But the truth of the matter is, you can't say that anymore. Or you be- you become a uh, fascist, or you're called a guy that's too old to to really be thinking well. Well, a lot of that polarization, Kevin, comes from a couple of places. I mean, I think we've evolved grace not un- not gracefully, but very <laughs> right. We've, we've evolved into. The- but when you get right down to it, and I'm, I'm going to say something that you might want to take out, but uh, <laughs> lawyers are running lawyers are running the world. I, 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 I used to have utmost respect for lawyers. Uh, I mean, really. I really, I thought they were, a matter of fact, at one point in time, I, I, I even considered going to law school. But 
the truth of the matter is lawyers are trained in a binary argument, right? Yes. You either win or you lose. You're either, the guy is guilty or he's innocent. There is no in-between. And unfortunately, that's not the way the world works best. <laughs> right. And yeah. what happens is we quit listening to each other and asking questions because we're so passionate about our position that we can't hear any good coming out of the other side. That's right. And vice versa. And I mean, I hate where we are right now. I used to love to argue. I had a I had a roommate in college. And of course, there's an old you know old tried tried and true deal. If you're not a liberal at 25, you don't have a heart. And if you're not a conservative at 35, you don't have a brain. So anyhow. The uh, and, and I was I was went to the University of North Carolina and I was a, I was liberal I was a liberal I thought I was going to change the world blah 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 yeah. yeah I had a roommate in college my senior in college who was in law school and he was from Burghall North Carolina and he was so far to the right I mean he was a he was a, he thought Jesse Hams was God and. <laughs> <laughs> And George Wallace had the right ideas, everything. And we used to have the damnedest debates, uh, I mean, for hours in the in the dorm room there about, about ideas and philosophy and everything. And you know what? I would love to sit down with him today if he's still alive. And I'll bet we agree on a lot of things. <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be interesting? You know, speaking of that, you reminded me of something. When I first started driving truck, I, like week one, uh, I was immediately, and I love driving, and I was even doing local P&D work. So I was in and out of the truck all day. I was pretty active, but I was kind of bored. You know, how much music can you listen to while you're driving? And that was back then, that was all I listened to. It's just music, you know, you that's what that radio and the dash is for. And then I just happened to be on AM one day and I heard people talking on the radio. So I started to listen. Now, I, I'm 22 years old. I know nothing about politics. I wasn't raised in a house where it was ever discussed. Nobody ever voted. Uh, to me, it was just some weird concept. And this was a kind of a political talk show. But the interesting thing was, and I, I wish we could see more of this, the station, the guy in the morning was a pretty staunch liberal. And the guy who came on right after him was a pretty staunch conservative. And they did it really well. It, it, the same channel could put out two totally different opinions and it worked really well. I listened to that show for years and it was what kind of got me hooked on talk radio, and it's kind of why I do what I do today. But you just don't see that anymore. Was that Hannity and Combs? No, it, it was. It would have been very simple. It's just a little local station in Akron. Uh, Howie Chisholm. Right, I got you. Yeah, well, just a couple you know, of local guys. Hannity, Hannity and Combs got started the same way. Exactly, yeah. I mean, and, Combs was very, very liberal, and Hannity was very, very conservative. <clears throat> but... Um, you know, that, that concept of, uh, well, it, it goes with the lack of respect. You've got, in order to have a healthy debate, you've got to have some modicum of, of, of respect for the person you're debating. Yes. I mean, I don't want to waste my time debating somebody whose opinion I don't care for. 
Correct. I want to debate somebody whose opinion I treasure, and I want to ask why. Why do you think that third-term abortion is a good thing, for instance? You know, that, that's a good point. And, and what I'm looking for is, is when you ask somebody why, no matter how much you might disagree with their statement, what I'm looking for is, is it well-researched and thought out? And at that point, I can respect it. Most of the time, it's not. You, you just find that people just repeat sound bites and they can't really explain and they they haven't put a whole lot of thought into it. And you're right. At that point, I would just rather say, look, let, let's just agree to disagree on this one. Let's move on because uh, it's not worth debating at that point. Well, and then, and uh, quite frankly, you've got to uh, I think that uh, back in the day, I mean, uh, uh, Combs died of eight or nine years ago, I think. And Hannity, you know, of course, is, is extremely conservative and very maybe maybe a little further to the right than I would choose to be. be. But he's passionate about his positions. And, you know, I, I kind of miss their early on give and take, because even though I, I tended to agree a lot more with the Hannity side than the Combs side. But... Uh, it, it was always interesting to hear hear the logic behind what the what the other side is doing. Well, and the and the thing is, I'm so jaded now. Right. Um, I'm, I'm I'm sorry. I just I just can't understand why why some people really honestly truly buy into certain ideas it, like socialism versus capitalism. I mean. And we sure don't want to get involved in that conversation now because it's dangerous. But the truth is, uh, I'm a I'm a pro business, pro small business. Uh, I believe in the in the in, in the capitalistic system. Now I will say this: pure cast capitalism doesn't work any better Correct. than pure democracy. Correct. Pure I capitalism would be just as disastrous as maybe even uh, socialism. But but if our government did their job and reined in some of the monopolies and quit making you know picking winners and losers outside of the outside of the marketplace, I think our capitalist system would work a lot better. I, I agree. There, there's a book I read, and I typically don't agree with a lot of what the off. Well, maybe it's about half and half. It's it's one of those things that there's quite a bit I do agree with what he's done and said, but there's an awful lot I don't. It's actually the uh, uh, CEO of, uh, well, it's hard to say now that Amazon's took it over, but Whole Foods. He wrote a book called Conscious Capitalism, and I really liked the idea of that. It, it was capitalism but it wasn't just pure money based. It, it was what's better for people, what's better for the economy, what's better for our world. And we can still be capitalists and make those kind of decisions. You know, I, I, I can call myself a capitalist and a tree hugger at the same time. I love the environment. I don't want to destroy it. But I also know that, that hey, there, do, there's some trade-offs we have you know to what? what I don't understand about the, uh, of that particular issue is how the uh, how the environmentalist and I don't want to call them names, or, but the, the the green group. I'll, I'll I'll try to be as kind as possible. <laughs> I'm a tree hugger. I love trees. I love plants. I Me love too. the planet. I love clean air. I love I love clean water. I'm all for it. We've made greater strides in the last fifty years than we've ever than any country has ever made in yes. the history of man. <laughs> but I cannot understand why. 
the tree huggers think CO2 gas is harmful <laughs> for the planet. It's, kind of, it's kind of necessary. That's, that's, that's what plants thrive on. Plants thrive on it. That's what makes them grow, for God's sake. That's what stipulates the photosynthesis. Exactly. I mean, I, so, so there's, there's one point I'd love to debate with somebody whose ideas I respect. <laughs> I, and I, I've done that, and I've got a pretty standard argument on this whole thing. Is that at, you know we have a lot of people who just deny that climate change even happens. Well, wait a minute. Let's not be ignorant about this. There was a time. Well, they taught this in elementary school anyway. That all of the continents were one giant land mass. They broke apart. Sure. That's kind of a big change, right? So. <laughs> There have been ice ages and then not ice ages. This planet has been changing forever based on our understanding of it. And I'm sure we're probably wrong about a lot of stuff. It's going to continue to change. Uh, then the next question is, do humans affect that? How could they not? How can you put 7 billion people on the planet doing the things we do and not have an impact on everything? Of course we impact this. Where I stop is we're, we're not smart enough to know how to fix this yet, so we should stop until we understand things better. <laughs> You're exactly right. The, uh, 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 <laughs> the climate change issue is nothing more than a change of the buzzword. They went to climate change because that's <laughs> all right. Right. Uh, and, and and they stopped talking about global warming because they found out the globe was cooling instead of warming. <laughs> and uh, climate climate change is a broad term that they can that they've tried to identify as a negative thing, but climate change is totally essential to our survival. Climates have to, uh, it has to change. It has to be in flux. It has to adjust for certain things. And I just happen to believe that uh, somebody a whole lot smarter than the Univac com biggest computer in in, in the universe uh, is in control of that kind of thing and does it for good reasons. There was a reason why the uh, why the continent split up if that's what happened, and I'm sure I, I, I believe that's what happened. It just makes too much sense if you if you take the seams of Africa and South America and the United States and kind of plug them all together. It's a, it's <laughs> right. a pretty good fit, even though it happened maybe a million years ago. You know, it, it, It's almost like somebody took a puzzle and just spread the pieces apart. Exactly. Yeah, so it, it makes and, sense. Uh, and if we're, headed, if we're headed for another alteration that either shortens the, uh, the existence of mankind or lengthens it, it'll be uh, in his hands, I think, not ours. Yes. Now, that, that's, that, and, and if you make that statement to uh, somebody, I, like I say, I'm, you, you, they may not understand what kind of tree hugging I do, but I'm, I'm, I'm a tree hugger, but I'm also totally against most of the hyper, uber, uh, poorly thought out uh, extreme measures right. that we're doing or you know, what we need to understand that climate does change and climate changes over not decades and centuries, but eons. Yes. And yeah. our, our brains can't even think like that. 
You're right. You know, the one thing we should keep in mind, and I think we'll, I, I never thought we'd be talking about climate change, but I love this kind of stuff. So uh, there is a topic I, I want to get to. But I guess your letter, I, I guess your letter for today is C. There you go. That's and I, right. get a double, I get a double letter score for climate change, okay? Holy cow. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, the one thing I'm, I'm going to get a triple level. I'm going to get a triple level score, and I'm going to say let's go with conservative climate change. Oh, I like that. I and like I would vote for that. Uh, yeah, me too. I, I I don't think we should ignore it at all, but I think we should look at it with this in mind before we do anything. Let's spend a lot of time talking about the law of unintended consequences. Oh man. That that One of my favorite topics. Well, you know, you and I both know that trucking is uh, is the butt of just one unintended consequence after another, <laughs> right? Uh, and it, and I mean, there's, there's all in my 35 years involvement, uh, it's 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 an unintended consequence every every week, every month. Uh, I, I, I'm looking forward to the day when any proposed rulemaking doesn't start out with a preamble. Well, this is going to be real difficult for owner operators of small companies oh, to do. Oh, yeah. It always That's, starts out. It seems like it. And, yeah. And, and uh, I'm, I, I just don't understand. I don't want to be in the room to make these kinds of decisions. I want truck drivers. I want small company owners. I want people like you who've actually done it to be in the room when these uh, policies or rules or regulations are made. You know, it's all on us too, Kevin. We're the we're responsible for this. Yes. The United States has gotten so gone lazy as far as participating in their own governance. Yep that they don't even deserve the liberties they've gotten. I, that's a volatile statement. I'll take it back immediately. But the truth of the matter is, everything. every time something's not perfect, we say somebody ought to make a law about this. Somebody I, needs to fix oh, this. Oh, please. Yeah, don't get me started on that. That makes me crazy. Why do people think that laws are regulation? And I'm not saying we shouldn't have any, but, you know, I... I one of the policies I, I loved about Trump, and I don't want to get off on him right now, but was the fact that he kept making the statement, if you're going to write a new law, we're getting rid of three. I, I love that or approach. Yeah. yeah, anything. Our, our government is so over bloated with laws and regulations that are never thought through. They're not enforced half the time. And yet we somehow think that more is better. And that feeds right into my next topic. So in a couple ways. I, I decided there's, I should probably not debate this person. They, they've actually come after me hard online, and I don't even know why. Uh, the only thing I questioned them on, they kept posting that, and they're pushing for new regulations about brokers, the whole transparency issue. We already have a regulation that covers this, and yet they want more. And I said, look, this isn't about brokers right now. This is supply and demand. And and they went off on me. Oh, you, you have no idea what you're talking about. And, and I just kept trying to either ask questions and they wouldn't answer them. So then I had to start making yep. some statements. Go ahead. Yeah. I, I was invited and, and went and I testified 
oh, this is 15 years ago, in front of the House Judiciary Committee about fuel prices in America. And, and the, at the time, fuel prices were spiking. And because I did that, I got a, I got a year's subscription to the congressional record. Well, the congressional record started back in the beginning of, I don't know, 75, 100 years ago. I don't know what it was. When it first came out, it came, it came out quarterly, and it was about four pages long. And it, what the congressional record is, is what committee is doing this and what oh, committee yeah. is okay. doing that and what committee is doing that and where is this bill and all this stuff. And it was really, really, well, when I started getting it, I was blown away. I got it once a week, and it was 78 pages long. <laughs> we, asked, we, we asked Congress, we asked Congress to fix everything. And what's wrong with today is they think, and they hire, they hire staffs of really smart young people to get all this data and get all this artificial intelligence and go on their computer and to determine the perfect tensile strength of a 412-18 slash Q screw <laughs> to put in an air conditioning. And, and, and they don't know what the hell they're doing. They don't know oh. nothing about the tensile oh. screw. And these are the kids they hire. It, right. Oh. And, then, and then they come up with that. That's why we get what we get. That's yes. why our laws are thousands of pages long and nobody can understand what the hell they say. Nobody reads them. The people signing these bills don't read them. Who could? They couldn't possibly uh, exactly read them. Right. Who could? You can't. So, and, but you know, every time I talk to you, my mind goes in 15 directions. I get notes. I It's, it's stimulating. <laughs> let, let's say that. So this... This discussion I wanted to have with this guy, he really believes, he keeps posting, that brokers are controlling the rates right now and they're taking 50% plus off the top. That That's what he really believes. And and I just tried to say, look, that that's not how this works. This is just pure supply and demand. And then he started talking about the Motor Carrier Act of 1980 and, and, and I, I thought, Oh, man, I need to ask a question here. I said, do you believe we should go back to that? That we should go back to a, a regulate, a financially regulated trucking industry? And he said, oh, hell yes. And I thought, okay, this is a person I just shouldn't talk to at all. We're so far apart that we're <laughs> never going to find common ground. He doesn't even understand that he is. he was invited into the industry uh, by deregulation in 1980. Prior to that, he couldn't even be in. And, and the other thing, too, he's forgotten. Well, go back just a year and a half when people were getting three, four, five dollars a mile to haul stuff. And laughing okay, at the that's brokers. The that's exactly right. Uh, you're telling the broker to go to hell. Yes. I'm not hauling it for two fifty. <laughs> right. And, guess what that is? That's the marketplace at work. Exactly. That's how it works. Right. So it, it, here's what it devolved to. So when I, so I thought, okay, I'm going to ask him one question to see if, if there's any hope at a discussion here. I said, could you please explain to me what really changed after deregulation? I wanted to know if he had a basic understanding of what happened. And he 
totally avoided the question about five times. Just wouldn't even address it. He doesn't know, right? He doesn't understand what you just said. He doesn't even get that concept. So I, I just stopped responding at that point. I didn't know what else to say. There's really no reason to go any further with this discussion. So I stopped. Well, now here, here's his approach now. I, and, and by the way, uh, this is somebody who's an officer of one of your newer competitors. I don't even know if you're aware of them. The, uh, probably not. They're calling themselves the NOAA. I think it's, I, I'd have to go look, or something like that. It's some owner-operator association that just got started. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, read, I read a blip in them about in last week's transport topics. Okay. Yeah, so, I, know, I know you're talking. So he's... They're not a, they're not a competitor. Uh, no, you're right. I mean, they're, they they kind of make try to make themselves look like they are maybe, but you're right. So this is one of the officers, I'm not sure which one. And when he started down this path, a bunch of the other officers, including the president, jumped on board and retweeted this stuff. And here's what he said. And I'm, I'm going to ignore it for now and just see if maybe they stop. He's posting, and I, I'm collecting it, um, that I am morally bankrupt, corrupt, and a fraud, and that their organization is going to crush me. And I thought, like, what? How did we get here so fast? All I did was ask you some questions. And all of a sudden, I'm morally bankrupt, corrupt, and a fraud, and you're going to crush me? What does that even mean? Does this... Um did another question, a great question that I want you to ask, and you don't have to tell him it came from me. Does he understand the difference between common con- common and contract carriage? No, I'm sure and, he does. Uh, and and uh, because the contract carriage, is, everything's contract carriage now. There's no such thing as common. Right. I mean, the 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 nuts and bolts of common carriage are gone. Everything's uh, everything's a contract, and it's between the shipper, the broker, and the carrier, and or who whoever. It's an agreement either in the spot market over a period of a year or two years, or every week or every month, and uh, and and that's what controls the rates. Just. Does yep. he understand what a, a fuel surcharge is, for crying out loud? It's uh, part of a contractual agreement. So one of the issues, now you brought up another topic I have to try to explain to people. When I, I'll make statements like, look, fuel prices should have zero impact on small carriers. That's the whole point of a fuel surcharge, to keep that price steady no matter what. It's not a huge fluctuation because the surcharge makes up for it. It's actually a really good system. But the the immediate response is, well, I'm on the spot market. We don't get a fuel surcharge. Yes, you do. You don't get it the way you think of it because it's not necessary. It's only necessary on a long-term contract to make up for the fluctuation in price. But if I'm on the spot market bidding on a load today, I know what my fuel cost is today. I, I don't need it to be there. But if you believe that it's not impacting that contract rate, you're insane. As a matter of fact, the uh, the uh, uh, fuel surcharge was a transparent boondoggle to rates uh, for the last 15 or 20 years uh, in all kinds of trucking. Uh, it it uh, And if had we not had 
of fuel surcharges uh, as a concept. Uh, I don't think we'd have gotten through the 2007-2010 depression. I, I don't know how frankly. we could have, right. You're, you're, it, it, there are very few businesses that they're number one, and if we're talking about fleets, it's either number one or number two, depending on what's going on with drivers and fuel prices. With small carriers, it's their number one expense. Very few industries have to deal with their number one expense being so volatile. And that's why we have a fuel surcharge and it's why it works. It's not perfect. There are, there are systems that could be better. We could tweak it. But honestly, most of the problems with the system actually benefit the small guys. I have guys getting 9, 10, 11 miles to the gallon now. And when their fuel surcharge is based on six miles to the gallon, which is kind of the standard, it, they're being paid exactly. to pump fuel into their tank. Their exactly. fuel surcharge is bigger than their fuel cost per mile. And Kevin, our, our our group of best brokers, we've talked about obviously we've talked about the the volatility volatility of pricing in spot market. We talk about that a lot. Uh, uh, the uh, but we've gone to our best brokers. We have a group called uh, their affiliates. They're about a hundred. I think we have about 160 brokers. They're some of the best brokers in the country. And we've gone to them about uh, even to try to just, it's all fluff. This is, has no meaning at all. You're exactly right. The fuel surcharge is described to cover a continuing contract that goes over a period of time, not the spot market. And and the, and the broker is telling the truth when he says, hey, the, the fuel surcharge is in the rate. It you, is, I'm going to give right. you $2,000 based on today's fuel prices. So, but we've even talked to our uh, our best brokers about the idea of of actually listing the uh, fuel surcharge as a separate line item on the on the payment on the on the paperwork. It might and be you know a good what? idea. Every one of them, every one of them that I've talked to is has been has said, yeah, we we would do that. If they want us to, if we we would we would agree to that, it's no problem. It, right, it, and, it, uh, it, it's just a little bit of paperwork and, to show what's really happening because these guys will stare right at me and say, "There's no fuel surcharge here," and I'll say, "But but it is, it, it's there." Well, it, 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 that that would eliminate the chin music, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I, I, and, and I, also it would. Also, it would point up. It would point up every load that they hauled for a broker that did that. It would point up how much how much more they're getting paid because they're getting eight, nine, ten miles to the gallon rather than four, five, six. And uh, it should yep. make the company owner feel real good about it. Yep. Um, it goes back to you know the uh, there was a time, and it wasn't so far far ago, when uh, the government gave out mail contracts uh, that were that were wet contracts. They included the price of fuel in the contract. Yes. The yep. whole government's mail. And you know, they used DOA averages, like you see in transport topics, <clears throat> as the basis for their reimbursement to uh, carriers to haul the mail. And you talk about a boondoggle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because these guys were getting uh, 30, 40 cents more a gallon 
for their fuel costs than they were actually paying. That's why the government finally, after about 70 years, figured out that they weren't doing it exactly right. They were wasting some taxpayer monies, uh, and they quit doing it. (laughs) You know, one of our, both of us have, have partnered with this company for a long time. They brought out an awesome tool that I think made the fuel surcharge system much better, more fair for everybody, shippers and carriers, and it just never caught on. They had that whole, you know, instead of using averages and regions they have a system where you can just go in and do your fuel surcharge based on the the route you're taking on this load because fuel prices are different all over the place and i i thought that was a great idea and they had technology that made it easy didn't really catch on and and david i have to apologize i just looked at the clock we have a couple calls pi told people they could call in and ask you questions i i don't know what i was thinking i'm really rearranging my schedule trying to find the perfect schedule for me where i can do some more hours and i want to do more time so i'm just playing around with things and i i only booked an hour for you today i don't know what the hell i was thinking you and i hey that's (laughs) that's all right don't apologize we'll get there and uh, at the rate we're going with you, I'll not be overexposed. I, I like that. <laughs> well, I, we, but, but let's let's take a let's take a couple of calls. I'd love that. Let's do that. We just need to do more of this and more often, so I don't feel like I have to get everything in all at one time. But uh, so let's go. Let's go to the phones. Let's go to Massachusetts. AJ, welcome. Well, thank you, Kevin, for taking my call. David, it's always great to have you on the show. Thank always you, AJ. Day. Appreciate the words. So I got, um, I want to become a member, but uh, not quite sure when I can make it down to do the uh, required NEST class. So is there a requirement on, on how long before you got to take that, or you got to go to the next one comes up with the... Well, we, we do, a, we do a, the NEST stands for a new entrance survival training class, and we do them once a monthly. I teach them. Uh, we spend a full day together on Friday, and then uh, Saturday we have bonus training, and uh, uh, the Saturday uh, program is uh, about uh, getting you certified to do on-site collections, which is uh, for drug and alcohol testing, which is really, really important for small rural-based carriers, and also to drill down deeper into our software, uh, our proprietary software program that kind of connects the dots and makes things work easily for small trucking companies called Mystic. So there's, it's basically two days. We do them once a month. Uh, is it AJ? Yes. AJ, we do them once a month. I, I, so usually the third Friday of the month, actually I'm doing one to, uh, I'm doing one tomorrow. So if you want to, uh, get a late plane, jump down here and you can, <laughs> you, you can do it as early as tomorrow. Uh, but they're actually, Kevin, and I'll tell you this, this is 35 years of, uh, of, uh, talking to trucking company owners and it's the most exciting by far the most rewarding and, and interesting thing I've ever done. And I do it uh, and I will continue to do it as long as I, as long as my brain continues to function at a, at a reasonably right. <laughs> same hey, level. Hey, uh, let me, so yes, you, you can sign up, call me. Uh, we've got, uh, our, our, I can get, I can put another seat in the room tomorrow if you want to come, but it's available every, uh, 
every once a month, every month, usually the third Friday in the month. Let me let me make a comment here for AJ. Okay. AJ, I, I think what you need to do right now yep. is make a just a small mental shift about this. So I, I kind of hear you're saying, I really want to be a member, and you should. There's lots of great stuff here. And I have to go through that class to get it done. I, make a mental shift. I don't want to say that the membership isn't important. It really is. There's a lot of great stuff in there. I think the class is more important for your success. You should approach it that way. That yeah, it's not I, I something it. I have to get done to become a member. This is one of the most valuable parts of the membership. There's so much good information in here you need. So you should make it a real point to just get there and do it. Oh, yeah. I'm looking forward to it. Um, good. It's just, I'm, I'm least a carrier right now. I'm just, you know, being patient on in my own authority because which is uh which the is the right a, way just like i did when i bought the truck yeah and and i hate when to, you do go ahead when you do decide to do that uh we can help you with that too we can we typically we have a new authority plus program and uh we can usually generally get you around to second base uh and eliminate some of the thousands of phone calls you'll get just as soon as you hit the button to get your authority. Oh, boy. Uh, and we also put you on a world-class drug and alcohol testing program to put you in a world-class BOC3, which would probably need some explanation, uh, send you through the NEST class and put you on our insurance program, which always saves a new entrant several thousand dollars. I, 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 let me take back always, most times, saves him several thousand dollars. David, that's one of the things you no, and I we, need to spend some time on. You have awesome material on this. I actually started a course a couple of years ago because I, I really started to see some signs in the industry that getting your authority may become much bigger. AB5 and a lot of other things kind of leading us to that. And so I started working on a course myself, put a lot of time and effort into it. Um, unfortunately, I chose the wrong partner. Um, truckstop.com was was paying for everything and brought in the film crews and brought in a, a team to help me with the course. Um, it's all my content. And uh, they became part of the woke culture when high tech bought them out. And uh, I'm kind of fighting over that material because there's some really good stuff in there. Fortunately, I have somebody on the inside and I think I'm going to be able to get it. But um, you and I need, I really like to sit down. Your course is awesome. I, I think that this is going to become a bigger issue and I, I don't want to take a lot of time on it now. We're going to jump into another call here, um, but we'll, we'll talk about that. Um, John in Minnesota, go ahead. Uh, talking about the same thing that AJ was just wondering where is the actual course located? <laughs> Great question. <laughs> That's the first rule in marketing, right? You need to know where it is you're trying to get to. <laughs> well, it's just fortunately for you and everybody else that's listening to this, <clears throat> we're located in the center of the universe, which is Nashville, Tennessee. We're right outside of Nashville in Hendersonville, Tennessee, up on Old Hickory Lake. And uh, uh, get a load, uh, come to Nashville. Hang around for a couple of days after the next class. Go to the Opry and uh, go to the uh, Country Music Hall of Fame and go to downtown to uh, uh, the Honky Tonk District. Visit uh, Nashville's the hottest town in America right now as far as uh, good things happening. 
everything that's happening here is wonderful except for the rapid growth. All we call it the city of cranes now. We got more more growth going on than's probably healthy, but uh, we get a lot of people that uh, that that want to come to Nashville and use the uh, new entry survival training class as an excuse. <laughs> hey, hey, David, I I lived yeah, in Orlando that, during that boom when they were the fastest growing city in the country. They they would switch back and forth between Vegas and Orlando during that time. Um, the, the joke was you had to be careful. You could come home and end up walking into the wrong house because that morning your house was the last one on the left and now it isn't anymore. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree with Kevin, maybe trying to get your material down into a course just in case the, uh, oh. time comes along that you're not able to do the course anymore. Yeah. Don't, don't skip well, the live course. There's, there's, I, I have a ton of online oh yeah. courses, but the value of live courses still can't be matched. We, uh, and, and here again, this is one of the reasons, Kevin, one of the, uh, spins from us starting podcasts. We, our podcast is another reason to join nasty. Our podcast goes, we, I got really discouraged knowing that we'd have 450, 500 people at our annual conference. And that only represents one tenth of 1% or less right. of our actual membership. So that's really the only opportunity for them to meet our real smart people. You guys, uh, face to face, but the podcast is going to allow us to deliver a lot of the material that's in the course through the podcast. I, so I love, that. uh, you can get it, you can get it, you can get it live or you can get it through osmosis, uh, through the podcast. It's just going to take several years to get all the data that you would get with, uh, by spending a couple of days with. Yeah, exactly. Here's something I've always wondered. I, you know, I belong to other associations in other industries because of what I do. I was a certified financial planner, so I belong to an association and a tax preparer. And now health and I, they there's lots of in-person conferences and you go and it's really valuable. You learn a lot. Here's what I'm shocked about. We have people who they drive all over the country every day for a living and trying to get them to a live conference is next to impossible. <laughs> I don't get it. That's, that's because usually the live conferences are in the middle of the week when they got a house right. Or I didn't understand that either. But or they picked downtown Dallas for a truck show. Uh, come on. Uh, <laughs> We, we started our, our annual conferences. They were originally on Saturday. They were called seminars. It was the only day of the week that a small carrier could take the phone off the hook <laughs> right. and get here. Yeah. And, and, and then we moved backwards. And now, now we're Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. But we're definitely not in the middle of the week. We designed our meeting to where they can come and actually stay an extra day or two and think, and think about nothing but country music and having a good time rather than trucking. And I think that's a big draw for both our national conference and these, uh, and these meetings that we have every month. I like it. We're going to grab one more call before we've got to wrap this up today. Tony, welcome. Morning, Mr. Rutherford. Tony here. Uh, you doing all right? I'm doing wonderful. Hey, Tony. 
Morning, gentlemen. All right, these guys, uh, what we forgot to say is, okay, I think it makes good business sense, uh, like I did, join right now, Nastic. And you do not have to attend the meeting. In fact, you don't have to attend it at all. They just will give you a charge of $38 per month until you go, and you can do like I did. It's well worth it. You can join just right now before going to the meeting, okay? Just join it. Get those fuel cards coming, and, and then just book your flight in there for the next Friday that you can like I am. I'm sitting here right here. I'm going tomorrow. Oh, But awesome. I joined before. I joined be- not too late for you to get down here also, Kevin. <laughs> By the way, just um, speaking of. Uh, well, it's a little late for yeah. Kevin because he's not going to fly. <laughs> That's right. I'm sitting right, right. here. I'll be there tomorrow, but get those fuel cards coming. It's well worth it to get the right those fuel rates. Get those cards coming in the mail for me to get. Tony, thanks for that. Thanks, thanks for that. Let me let me flesh out exactly what Tony's saying, Kevin. Because we know it's very difficult to to get here, and and a little bit expensive, even though we try to hold the cost way down. the truth of the matter is we developed a program that he's talking about. You can become a NASTIC member without coming to the uh, uh, conference, but you have to go on certain elements of our management safety program as a leap of faith without really having them explained thoroughly to you. And that's what he's opted, that's what he's opted to do, and we charge you – uh, that that's the lowest rate that we have for management. That's the bare bones deal for management safety program, um, and we charge that until they come to the meeting if they're less than five trucks. So I like that's, that. It's kind of, kind of a le- using using leverage to make sure you guys eventually get to hear what I've got to say. <laughs> that's right. It's kind of punitive, but you in can think of it, it in a constructive way. It, yeah. It, so, um, or you can just say, hey, just don't come and just pay the $38 to, to not come. But that's, of course, Kevin's going to say it's the wrong way to think of that. Um, before I exercise my stress muscle on brokers, uh, there's probably not time anymore, but we we could, for all my fans out there in the I Hate Brokers Network, we can <laughs> we can ask uh, Mr. David about that broker or uh, no broker uh, directory that's there. Where- this, uh, or shipper direct um, load board that they're working on, or is that no more? I'm real excited about that, of course. This is a topic that I think Dave and I are going to spend a lot of time on. I, I think this could be one of our most powerful partnerships is is coming up with tools and ideas and, and ways to get good small brokers to interact more and build relationships more with good small owner-operators and carriers. That, that may be one of the most powerful things we could do together. So I, I think we're going to spend a lot of time on that. That's in the works. It's closer, it's closer to a reality than, uh, than anybody knows. Uh, don't mind telling you it's a, it's a program that I've been thinking about for 35 years. And, and quite frankly, um, there's, there are a lot of variables that the marketplace makes it difficult for very small carriers to have the same benefits and access to freight as large carriers do. And when freight tightens up like it is right now, uh, the first ones to go are you guys. The first ones to suffer and the rates are you guys. I get all of that. Uh, that's the marketplace at work, and, and but the idea that we're working on 
has to do with a, 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 a an elite small Marine Corps type group of brokers that will agree to uh, certain terms and conditions of carriage that are that are beneficial to small carriers and that's we actually call the first night of our conference in Na- in Nashville every year uh, it started out as a trust forum, and we invited our best brokers and our carriers in, and they threw biscuits and napkins and everything else at each other for <laughs> two or three hours uh, for several years. But they were talking; they got to talking, and they earned the they earned a little bit of uh, mutual respect for each other. Uh, they learned a little better understanding of each other's position when it comes to the marketplace and rates and all that, <clears throat> and it's helped. We want to expand that and, and take that through our concept called Lodestar, L-O-D-E-S-T-A-R, uh, which is uh, load opportunities, uh, data exchange, shipper terms and rates. And, and that, that is not going to be a load board. It's going to be much more than a load board. And our intent eventually with that program is to get not to eliminate the broker, but to put the broker in the proper perspective and put the uh, carrier in the proper perspective and, and encourage long-term contracts or continuing contracts or the kind of contracts of, of, that you guys can actually make money out of over a six months, a year, two years, ten years relationship. So it's about building relationships and building bridges between our carriers and, and our best brokers. And uh, uh, Kevin and I have talked about it briefly, but we're—he's right. We're going to be spending a lot of time on that in the near future. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited about that. And uh, David, I hate to do it. I could go on and on and on, and we will. We're, we're going to be doing this a lot more, but uh, we got to wrap it up today. We've got another show following us today. That's why we're kind of on a hard clock. Okay, Kevin. Listen, uh, uh, anytime, and I'm so excited about you being a part of our uh, annual conference in November. Uh, encourage your tribe, even if they're not NASTIC members, to uh, find out about how they can attend. I'll be happy to talk to them. Fantastic. So are we announcing that? I've been kind of holding back, but I guess we just did. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like the guy. I'm like the guy that uh, went to confession and he said, Father, forgive me, I have sinned. I've been having this wonderful relationship with uh, this 23-year-old blonde for two years. And the priest said, Abe Lewinsky, is that you? You're Jewish. Why are you telling me that? He said, Father, I'm telling everybody. So, yeah, I'm telling everybody. (laughs) Kevin Roberts is coming to our conference, okay? I'm telling everybody. Excellent. All right. So I, I will let them know. Fantastic. David, uh, fant- great way to start the day. I, I love this. We're, uh, we're going to be doing more. So thank you for taking time out of your day, and we'll be talking soon. Thank you, Kevin. All right. Take care. Take care. All right, we've got to wrap this up. Rolling Toe is on deck. Um, we are heading over to Twitter in about 10 minutes to continue just a free-for-all today. This is more of the schedule we're probably working towards um with our subscription model the first hour of every day monday through friday will become a free-for-all that is heard everywhere posted everywhere completely free uh but after that first hour we're starting to move towards some uh subscription shows as well so 
the schedule is going to be a little goofy for a while. We're trying out different things with the the biggest goal of shifting the schedule around one to fit the subscription model. But two, I, I have some other show ideas I want to do right now. I can't seem to squeeze them in. So that's what we're working towards. So just be patient. It's not going to be perfect. This is how we we do things and uh, we'll get the schedule down here. And, and we just want it to be the best schedule we can put out right now. So be patient with us. We will uh, see you in a little bit on Twitter or stay here and hang out and listen to Rolling Toe. You've got options. Be safe, be profitable, be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.